You're listening to Reach Teach Talk with Nat Ding. Welcome back to another episode of Reach Teach Talk. Back in 2015, the Financial Times had a cover story titled, Could Androids Shape Children's Minds? And back in 2015, we, we were thinking about, and the crux of the article was about the offloading of what truly was a teacher's job to technology, to IT, whether it's grading, whether it's creating assignments, the internet, you know, researching, trying to find what's true, what's not true, but really using technology in a way that shapes not just one's intelligence, but also shaping one's uh, being, right? And this idea of technology in the classroom was something that <laughs> there was always a running joke in schools that I worked at, which is, yeah, technology is great. I mean, it's going to save time and, and we can use this and that's great. Well, do you use it? Not yet. You know, I need a few more workshops. You know, I need a few more, a little more time for me to master that. Right now, you know, teaching is is enough. I, 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 I just don't have the time to really, really research how I can apply technology to the classroom. And now we are opening another chapter in the relationship between technology and the classroom with the advent of AI. And specifically, and what we're going to focus on today, the use of chat GBT in the classroom. This is interesting. More interesting, actually, than the FT article from eight years ago. And the reason why it interests me and the reason why I feel this is a really important topic for us to discuss on Reach Teach Talk, which is a podcast focused on relational pedagogy, a podcast focused on relationships in the classroom and the classroom of life. The reason why this is interesting to me is because when we talk about it's one thing to talk about Scantron and, and grading using technology to save time grading. It's one thing to talk about finding truth in all the myriad websites out there where we're gaining, where we're, we're accessing information, but we need to learn how to synthesize and assimilate it. Chat GBT does that for us. Chat GBT assimilates information, um, weaves it together, and in the course of a you know, five seconds can write essays, it can produce song lyrics, it can produce art. Um, with the advent of AI, we've got, for the first time, a very important conversation that's an ongoing one and that needs to happen because it really relates to the intersection of being human and the utilization of a very human-like technology. And when we're talking about schools and we're talking about K-12 schools or colleges and universities, we are talking about the forming of not just the minds, but the development of the person, the human being. With the development in the very recent ad advent of ChatGPT and other AI platforms, we are able to offload a lot of that human making to technology. Yet as an instinct that makes us all wince a little. It makes us all step back and just think, wait, are we really gonna leave it up to the androids to shape students' minds? So I am so excited today to bring on board a guest, Spencer Burroughs, who is currently doing a million different things. Currently, he is an 11th grade teacher dean 
at Pacific Ridge School. He's an economics teacher. He's a civics teacher. He is he he went he was a lawyer. He is a education policy wonk as well, and he's also a darn good sailor. So he and I have had that in common um, amid a lot of other different commonalities um, outside of teaching. Spencer is going to talk with us today about ChatGBT and the reason why. I wanted him to come in, I invited him to come in to reach Teach Talk is because he brings a teacher's context to AI. He's gonna be able to give us some strategies about how to make AI and ChatGBT really work in the classroom. And he's also somebody who's written about ChatGBT in the classroom for Education Week and for Chalkbeat. And for the reason I just gave, the fact that Spencer is an educator at heart and he gets schools, he gets relational pedagogy, he understands the essence of uh, the essentialness of the humanity that we bring and we honor in the classroom. So without much further ado, Spencer, welcome to Reach Teach Talk. I'm thrilled that you're here with us today and I'm really looking forward to um, a really deep dive discussion into the layering and the integration of ChatGBT specifically into the classroom. What have you found as a teacher? What have you found as an educator uh, who has been talking to teachers all over the country about this topic? And what would you recommend for teachers to focus on as they hopefully drop a bit of their fear and lean into this yet another pivot, another advance in technology integration into the classroom? Thank you, Nat. I appreciate it. Um, to kind of dive into some of those, some of those issues, you know, what drew me initially to teaching, I, I taught for a year before heading off to law school and I loved my year teaching in law school. I knew that I was probably going to return to schools at some point in some form. And so after getting my law degree, I also got my teaching credential and then started working with uh, schools in the LA area not only working at the the school site and serving as a classroom teacher, but um, helped launch a school and help help build up some other school systems. I really enjoyed that work. Uh, along the way, I got the opportunity to start uh, teaching some college level classes as well for National University and some other institutions. So I've gotten to see it from a couple different angles, and you know, I, I think we have to see what's happening right now with with Chat GPT and some of these other technologies in the context of the, the pandemic that you kind of touched on. So uh, pandemic happens March of 2020 and we all go on uh, on lockdown and then remote learning and then skidded our way through remote learning the rest of that year into somewhat hybrid learning the next year, depending on where your, your school is located. So we've all had an overexposure to technology maybe the last couple of years. And as we're finally this year coming to quote unquote normal, if you can even say that, uh, ChatGPT appears out of nowhere around January. So it, it is truly one thing after another. So um, to kind of bring that into the, into the classroom context and maybe speak directly to what a lot of the teachers are seeing right now, I think one of the more uh, unfortunate aspects of, of remote and hybrid, um, at least as far as schools go during the pandemic is, it was very difficult to to police plagiarism because everything was done on computers. And I think the prevailing attitude was just, we need to get through this understandably. And so we get through, um, we're coming back into this era and then 
this technology comes out around January. And I think it was a genius marketing ploy to make it available on the internet to everybody because not only were uh, commentators and, and people in the tech world talking about it, everyone was was using it themselves. And so I think that brought it home much faster and making it free and available to everybody at the same time. Um, everyone got to play with it at the same time and, and see, A, is it a novelty? B, can, can there be an actual uh, productive use for it? But to bring it back to the school site, I think the first thing that hit teachers was students are going to use it to cheat. Right? That was kind of the immediate uh, gut reaction. And um, I think there's some some credence to that. But the more that I've experimented with it, the more that I've talked with teachers also trying to use it, you'll see a couple things at once. Uh, first, when ChatGPT produces a, a piece of writing, it's it's often in in somewhat vague terms. Okay, so if you're a, you taught English, if you're an English teacher and you assign an essay on XYZ and let's just say a student used ChatGPT to unfortunately doctor an essay, it's going to spit out an essay that sounds somewhat plausible, but is not great writing. So um, maybe we should back up a second and talk. What does ChatGPT actually do and what are what is some of this AI really going around? Yeah, let's take a step back and actually define AI and define ChatGPT and then move into what's going to be very interesting to hear about um, the use of the usage of it in the class and the suspicion around, you know, how it could be used nefariously. So absolutely. So there's a difference between uh generalized artificial intelligence and these large language models. So generalized AI is maybe the the holy grail of ai that that everyone's hoping we somehow move towards where it can it can do everything and and maybe also the dark side like terminator (laughs) if that's what we're trying to avoid um or that scenario what chat gpt and in some of these other similar uh models that are out right now it's a language predictor model so basically this large language predictor model will take a a large corpus of of text, aka the internet, and if you ask it a a question or give it a direction, it basically collates available information from the internet and spits it back out in a in a digestible form. So I think something to take directly from that, and this is largely the conversations we've been having with the teachers. Everything ChatGPT can do is already available on the internet, and I'm saying that the context of for the doomsday side of the the teaching profession that wants to ban it immediately, you have to realize that all these things can be done already. So maybe ChatGPT does it faster or more efficiently, but plagiarizing papers, they're out there on the internet and they've always been there. So, I mean, that's the bread and butter of uh, turnitin.com 25 years ago, right? Right. Exactly. Yes. yes, We we are aware of that. And the burgeoning industry of companies trying to make technology to now detect ChatGPT, which is right. a whole different story. But um, if that's what it does, keeping that in mind, I think, and again, to try to put this in the teaching context, oftentimes when a, a technology is released that relates to education or could be, it immediately divides into the education world in the two camps, right? Either this is going to be the savior of education or this is the worst thing ever and we need to ban it. And I don't think it's either any of those those two ends right it's somewhere in the middle and i think 
with any kind of technology, you need to view it as a tool and you use it when it's useful and you don't use it when it's not. That sounds very simple, but I think Nearpod is a great example. Nearpod is uh, essentially an add-on to, to Google, Google Slides that makes it more interactive. I had no idea what Nearpod was before the pandemic. A lot of us jumped on it during the pandemic and it was an amazing tool during the pandemic because if you had students uh, working remotely at home and you're, you're using Google Slides, maybe you're in a hybrid classroom, it could actually draw them in and, and make it more interactive. Now, for all of us that made these, these incredible, well-thought-out Nearpod presentations during the pandemic, when the pandemic ends and the year later we're back in the classroom and I tried using a lot of the same Nearpods in my new class, they all hated it to high heaven because we're <laughs> back in person. They want to converse with their, their classmates in real life, which I get, but it just shows you Nearpod was a great tool during the pandemic. Afterward, not so much. So... I think you have to view ChatGPT and whatever progeny comes later through that lens. I think there, there are some interesting and productive uses, and there's other times when it's just not useful. And it's neither the savior or the apocalypse when it comes to education. So that's kind of where we're at. That's just fantastic. Thank you, Spencer. I think that, uh, you know, that, that, that fear of it being the, the coming of the apocalypse is, is not overstated because teachers do, I mean, you can read, read about this, you know, in so many different forums, like teachers saying like, the, the, there is such a high risk of plagiarism. There's such a high risk of cheating. This is, this is really the end of it. But to your point, it's not AI in the sense that ChatGPT is thinking for the student. It's, just aggregating. It's aggregating information that's already out there, as you said, and putting it into a really pretty boring and, and, and stripped down, perhaps very well organized essay, or let's say, or, or, or long answer to a, to a prompt question that generally any, any good teacher would be able to say, hey, this is not written by my eighth grader. Like, this is not. This is, yeah. So it's an aggregator. It's not doing original original thinking um but it is but it is being used and and perhaps part of the fear is not where it is now but where it could end up being like you know who's to say that a year from now we're not going to have answers that don't sound like they're generated by robots right like it could be something that's okay they've been able to perfect the musicality of a human voice and i you know really individuate it to the person so maybe there's something about that but where we are now, this is not what I'm hearing you say, Spencer, is this is not the time to let fear run school decisions, classroom decisions um, and outlooks on the future. Because as of now, we can we can still control the output. And and that's what it's going to be interesting to hear some strategies, not just on how to control the output of, uh, of chat GBT, um, but to utilize it in a way that actually builds relationship through learning um, in the classroom and uh, at, at work outside of the classroom. So we'll get to that. But I, I'm just fascinated by the example you gave with Nearpod because we all pivoted to using as whatever new technology we could possibly use to engage our students when they were at home, alone, bored, and staring at a screen, burning out the retinas five hours a day at least. And Nearpod is a great example of how you could engage those students, but also how once you came back into the classroom, we couldn't engage that way anymore. Like they, to your, what, what, you, what, you, what you stated, which cannot be overstated, is the students wanted to be 
in relation with each other over staring at the screen again. They probably didn't also didn't want to be reminded of what that you know, extended period of time was like for them. Like it was not a great mm-hmm. time for learning um, as admirable and remarkable and miraculous as, as it was that we were able to pivot the way that we did um, on the, as a, on the whole. So getting back to this, this new technology based initiative since January um, and looking at it as yet another uh, command you know, command insertion of technology into what is a human endeavor, which is teaching. What are some of the ways you have seen ChatGBT used to enhance the teaching and the learning, whether it's instructional delivery, whether it's in-class assignments um, since January? It's a great question. So I, I think there's two ends. There's there's the student use end and there's the teacher use end. So to, to look at the students first, how could this be applied in the classroom and or how can we engage the students with this technology? On their end, I think it's kind of a rule of thumb that anytime we can use technology to better engage students in the material, that's generally a good thing. And when you think about the different math programs, for example, that have been rolled out for lower elementary students, where it looks like they're just playing on an iPad, but they're really solving math problems and learning things along the way. Some people just write that off as video games. But in my opinion, if they are learning math because they're engaged in the technology, I support that. I think it's a good thing. So looking at my students and what we do um, at my school at Pacific Ridge, we're a Harkness discussion based school. So um, a lot of communication, a lot of those discussions. When I first saw ChatGPT came um, released, the first direction my mind went to was, how could I take it and use it in my classroom tomorrow if I was going to? Right. How- and, and in your Harkness-based classroom, which can you share with the audience what the Harkness model is about? Sure. So Harkness is is really the idea that you're taking a, a text or an idea or or some material. And students are leading a discussion around that material to derive some meaning. And so if you imagine a a college seminar around a table, for example, similar to that, um, our classrooms literally have a large oval table in the middle, and that's where those those discussions take place. Um, Phillips Exeter back east were kind of the pioneers of of this model and um, can check out their website for some interesting uses as of ours. But in terms of this discussion base, you don't usually think of a robot leading a discussion, right? So I started thinking like, okay, well, if I've got this, the more that I played around with it, and I think a piece of advice I have for teachers, before you start using a technology or completely write it off or assume it's a savior, like, take it and actually mess around with it a little bit and imagine it's in your classroom and walk through a lesson, what that would look like. And you'll start to see things that maybe it would be great at that you hadn't thought of before, or the way you thought it could be used, it just doesn't work. And that's fair. Um, so one of the ways that I use it was I would project chat GPT up on the board and I would have students take the questions that we were, we had prepared for the Harkness discussion and I'd turn ChatGPT into the, the moderator of that discussion. And so we would feed questions into ChatGPT and it would start producing an answer. And then I would have the students bounce ideas out off that answer. And we kind of go back and forth. And 
to draw this back to my point of things that are engaging, it was kind of a fun tool that that made for a, an interesting discussion, but it was no replacement for the original discussion, right? And I think that that's where it comes back to the idea of a tool that you use when it's great and not when it's not. Um, we had a good time kind of bouncing some ideas and in, in seeing the, the material ChatGPT was producing, and that was great for that class. Now, on the student side, if there is uh, the engagement end, there's also what I'm just going to call the, the brainstorming end. And so the analogy I try to make is to um, Wikipedia. And so Wikipedia has been around for some time. Every educator knows you can't cite to Wikipedia because it's it's open edit. So you don't know who said what, if it's totally true. However, I think the use of Wikipedia that sometimes overlooked is it can be a great brainstorming tool. For example, I coach speech and debate. If we're trying to come up with uh, some ideas on a certain debate topic or certain points to make, you look up a topic on Wikipedia and it gives you this whole one page, two page, three page rundown, you can read that. And if you look at uh, Wikipedia often provides uh, reference points to the, the facts that they make. We'll go check those references. And even though you can't cite to Wikipedia itself, if you check out those references and those check out, well, then you probably could use it or at least take that idea and and find your own references to it. So as we mentioned before, because ChatGPT will produce some kind of answer or or a piece of knowledge that sounds kind of general in point being, you don't know if it's true or not or accurate or not. Well, you can take that and then research that. So maybe it could be a good brainstorming tool. If you have a student, as I'm sure you saw with your English classes, who gets writer's block or just has whatever impediment to getting started and is creating frustration and, and it's halfway ruining their life. Well, maybe ChatGPT is a good start to, to begin your paper. And, and, and you're suggesting like, okay, so look, you're, you're got brain freeze. You got, you know, you can't, you don't know where to start in terms of developing a thesis. Right. So what you're suggesting is just have the student type in just random questions about that are kind of circling the airport, knowing that at some point there'll be something in a ChatGPT response that will spark and be like, Oh, Oh, that's cool. Okay. Okay. Now I've got some headlights, you know, longer down the, down the foggy road. Right. Exactly. So again, it's a tool. Now, if the student took that a mile too far and used that chat GPT essay to turn in, well, A, it's not going to look like a good essay and B, it's probably not going to sound like them. So I want to give a short reference to, um, something that I heard of recently, a, I think all the college admissions offices are seeing not far into the future when this next round of college applications coming in this fall, how many students are going to use ChatGPT to write essays, especially the the common app essay, essentially the, the personal statement. An Ivy League admissions officer fed a couple of common app props into ChatGPT just to see what it would produce, took those essays, ran it by some other Ivy League officers. They all said the same thing. One, it sounds like it was actually written by a student, so credit to ChatGPT. Two, they were trash essays. Like they, they were just <laughs> yeah. super vague. It's not going to get you into many schools. And right. the point being, it's not it's not good writing. Right? I think I think I think it's out there that it's uh, ChatGPT scores an average of a two on the uh, English Literature AP. So that's probably point. correct. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. That sounds about right. So, um, it, you know, to to bring this back to the point of the teachers that think it's the savior or want to ban it altogether. 
it, it has some interesting uses. You got to play around with it. And any good classroom teacher knows whatever sources you might be drawing some sources of inspiration for, you always have to check them out. So I was talking about the student end, but to look more at the teacher end, like what could be some interesting uses for the teaching profession in general? Some ideas I've heard thrown about that I think sound valid are, one of the first ones was lesson planning. Like you could put a prompt in ChatGPT, write me uh, my first four lessons of my English nine class that I want to start with my my ninth graders. And it's going to spit out whatever it's going to spit out. And, and some of it might sound decent. Now, like you know, there are a ton of lesson plans already on the internet. So it's not like ChatGPT is replacing that. Even if as a teacher, you pull a well-written lesson plan from the internet, you always have to run through it yourself and see, is this going to work for me? Is it work for my students? Is this direction I want it to go? So I think it would be malpractice to take any piece of writing or or work that's not yours and just run with it. So for the teacher saying, this is going to be the savior, it's going to lesson plan for you. I hope you don't just take the chat GPT lesson and that turns into first semester. So um, positives on both sides, but again, it, it's just, it's a, a nifty tool. This is great. And I'm thinking just everything you were just saying, transcending it all to me, sounds like you're communicating that ChatGBT is an amazing resource for idea generation, brainstorming, uh, even formulation, right? Like it, it, what they do produce, what, what they, what, what the technology produces um, is organized. And it's, you know, what I found is there's, there's a lot of lists and there's a lot of, you know, short paragraphs, you know, usually, usually with a funnily defensive um, caveat, like these are just the, uh, the, you know, what we found through, you know, our, our, our aggregating process, but, you know, or, or, or it, everything is, 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 is drawn from um, information pre 2021 or something like, you know, so it's, it, it's, it's very aware. This technology is very aware. It makes it very clear that, that, it is not devising on its own the perfect answer that would get you a five on the literature AP. Um, but rather, again, it's 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 fueling. It's kind of adding to it, it's kind of giving you the tools, really, the, the or the content, the content to then be able to add your element as the student, as the writer, as the researcher, as a teacher to the lesson plan or the student to the essay or the project. That's where and that's where the fun takes place. But I think this is, it's worth repeating that ChatGBT is a tool for, as it is now in its current form, it is a tool for engagement because what it does, and what I'm hearing you say is it broadens the, the, the scope of what's possible in designing an assignment or taking that first step into an assignment but it's not going to replace the assignment. It's not going to replace the uh, the the paper research, the ultimate product um, of the student. So all that to say, am I right, Spencer, to 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 look at GBT, Chat GBT, as almost like more like an editing tool than a creation tool? Like, does that make sense at all? Like this idea that okay, because I remember in my English class when I was teaching English English lit and teaching writing, it was like okay, your first draft is always like. It's always the, the the clay on the potter's wheel. Great. You got all that stuff out there. It's all there. And now, you know, the next step is going to be really to start whittling it away and start, you know, etching from the marble, the statue inside. Is this kind of, does that resonate with you at all as an analogy or is there a better analogy for what chat GBT brings? Yeah, I think you're on the right track. Um, 
if ChatGPT is going to produce you kind of a, a vague beginning to something that could be a, a great piece, that is the beginning and not the end, right? So I one of the interesting activities that we use in foreign class was I, I also teach a U.S. history class. We were talking about reconstruction uh, with, and this is where kind of the novelty comes in. And you can see it that you, you put a question in ChatGPT and it starts producing a, a piece of work line by line, which I think gives the illusion that it's, it's thinking, right? So, but it's kind of interesting to watch because it, it looks like it's generating it in real time and things are happening. So uh, I put in a prompt something on the lines of like, what was the reconstruction? And then our class watched ChatGPT produce this one paragraph, two paragraph uh, response. And so we had the response. I then had the students go back and, and fact check it, right? And so they they were able to make some some good observations and this is really building in uh, critical analysis skills, which we should be training anyways. And I think it's one of the most important things you can get out of that high school education heading into college. And they found some times where ChatGPT either got a date wrong or the context was just mischaracterized, so on and so forth. So I, I think that is a good use of the tool, right? And as far as teaching digital citizenship and training our students to understand how to use the internet productively, like they need to understand that you can't trust what you see on the internet at, at face value. You do have to go back and, and check and do some independent research and if ChatGPT can help them practice that uh, that skill, I think that's a great thing. Um, I'll say that in that same U.S. history class, I, I teach that with a partner teacher, and we were lesson planning how do we want to end out the Cold War real soon in in our courses, and we did a, a quick search on ChatGPT, like how would you outline Cold War instruction? It listed five or six points, and we realized one or two of those could be interesting to throw in. Like I think that's a good a good use because it it was a good brainstorming tool. We're not letting ChatGPT write the course for us, which I, I don't think you should do in the first place, but um, that was a productive use. So, so to your question about creativity versus editing, I think ChatGPT can give you a somewhat creative, somewhat bland beginning point, and then it's your job to jump in and, and fill in the blanks, at least. And I love what you're saying about in, during the process of filling in those blanks, it's collaboration, it's critical thinking, it's communication, because you're looking at clarity, you're looking at the clarity of the writing, and you're also looking at personalizing the writing so that it becomes yours. So it's like taking ownership over, you know, it's pretty dry to begin with. And all in the process of it, you're learning and, and you're drawing your own connections. Because here's a question I have for you. As, as an English teacher, right, as a literature teacher, and somebody who really valued um, the, the process of writing a paper, the I always looked at writing and the teaching of writing is as actually teaching life skills of um, reflection, of introspection, of okay, here's here's the material, here's the book that I just finished, and here's uh, finished reading, and here's the thesis that I'm looking to develop from um, as I reflect on this book, and I'm going to chisel away at this thesis, and I'm going to not write. The actual essay until the thesis is written or maybe i will write the essay and then through writing it I, I actually crystallize what that thesis is a very internal almost like as you're writing you are sensing the neurons connecting right you're sensing the the spark going on because you are truly creating this as an individual as a human being like traditionally that's how um essay writing shapes learning it's that reflective 
um, introspective connection between a person, a human and the literature. So all with that as context, Spencer, like, is that kind of baby out with the bathwater now? Or would you suggest that with ChatGBT as this new pond, um, well, stream, uh, you know, spring of, 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 uh, content that the actual writing process could still be the same or the same benefits. That's a great question. And I'm going to start narrowing the go broad. So to begin on the narrow end, well, the overall big picture that I'm going to come back to is I think maybe in a good way, this is going to force teachers to be much more intentional with how they're giving assessments and being very particular in what they want to see along the way. So I'll tell you with our, uh, I taught 10th grade modern world last year, now with uh, 11 and 12 econ in the US right now, when it comes to writing, we try to be very specific how we want to see certain things. So to do that writing process over a number of classes, we'll start by um, outlining how you want to make that essay, and then we'll work on your thesis. And I try to be specific about in a thesis, I want to see uh, three separate points made that tie back to, you can see how I'm, I'm being specific right now. Yeah. That's what I want to see. And part of the challenge for students going through any class all the way up, I'm sure it's the same for you in school and it was for me, you're dealing with different teachers every year and everyone wants to see something a little bit different when it comes to writing. And maybe that's a good thing because you're learning a different way of the writing's not fundamentally different, but different people require different styles, which honestly you get into the working world, different people want to see things differently. So it is a skill to understand how to mold uh, expectations to what you're going to produce. So to your question, would, would ChatGPT just do away with that entire writing process? Not if you have a teacher who's being very specific about what they want and when. And I think as we're talking about the writing process, and again, we're kind of on the narrow end right now, but when it comes to that writing process, I think it is a good idea to force it into chunks in class and, and have the students actually do some of the work in class where teachers can then conference with those students individually and, and check that progress rather than assign an essay topic on Monday and just say, give me an essay by a week from now. In that case, yeah, a student could just plug it into ChatGBT and produce whatever's going to come up. So if that's kind of the narrow end, that writing process, the big push I'm making on uh, both teachers K through 12 and, and professors right now is we've really got to rethink how we're doing assessments. And on a very knee-jerk level, if you're concerned that your assessment can be tailored with chat GPT, maybe you shouldn't be giving that assessment. And I've heard on the college end, a number of professors who you can imagine are equally, if not more freaked out than K through 12 teachers right now, who maybe their MO the last 20, 30 years is assigning a 10 to 20 page term paper at the end of the term. Maybe it's time to do away with that. I mean, it really makes us think, what are you actually assessing in a 10 to 20 page paper? I mean, stamina just writing more and more and more i mean if it was the ability to work in apa format it doesn't need to be 20 pages if it's an argument you're trying to make based on sources again doesn't need to be that long so do more writing in class assign shorter chunks that are more focused i mean there's a number of ways to go about that rather than just being afraid that it's going to be going to be tailored so um 
being specific about the writing process, being specific about your expectations. And the more specific you are, if what you're really concerned about is, is plagiarism, I think it's harder and harder to actually plagiarize with that. So, um, to bring that all back together, you know, teachers and professors need to be more intentional with, with how they're giving assessments. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. What, what are the prompts? Like, you know, what, what, how can teachers put, uh, a stronger spotlight on, on the, on the essay prompts on, on what they're, and, and also be more specific, uh, on the front end in terms of what they're looking for in the essay assignment and your, <laughs> your connection with, with college professors and the, you know, the, the one paper in the semester that's going to decide your grade in the class is going to be this 10 to 20 page term paper to rethink that. And I'm also thinking in the back of my head as you were sharing about that was, um, what's the point of a timed essay? Like, you know, cause, cause I could see teachers saying, okay, well then you know, I'm just going to have them write everything in house. I'm, I'm afraid of chat GBT and what it can do, um, in terms of plagiarism and, and how I can lead to that and cheating, um, with at home essays. So I'm just gonna have them hand write, uh, or type, but you know, in the classroom so I can see and watch them. So I'm going to give them 45 minutes to write an essay, but but is that even the point of, of writing essays? I mean, if, if essay writing, if these essays have already been, in a sense, constructed, um, if, 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 if you can basically pick any topic and, and, and have ChatGBT come up with an essay as rudimentary and rudimentary form, but very comprehensive nonetheless, then what are you solving for by having students write under pressure when it really should be about, it sounds to me anyways, about looking at the individual lens that students are taking to, um, to the thesis, to the question, to the prompt. And that's what makes for, for more interesting. I mean, as an English teacher by trade, mm -hmm. more interesting grading experience, right? Cause you have a whole bunch of different, uh, a very broad scope of individual personalized writings that come to you. And, uh, and I, I just think that that everything you were sharing then kind of does beg the question of assessments, I'm thinking particularly writing assessments, really, it would be fascinating for English departments, history departments, civics departments, um, you know, science departments to talk about how they use writing as a form of learning today and, and with the incorporation of chat GBT. I'd like to talk about assessments a little bit because in what ways does chat GBT help teachers with assessments? just on a rudimentary level. And then perhaps you've seen some things that are unique. Sure. So back to this idea of brainstorming, I've heard and I've seen that chat GPT can be a great beginning point of, of forming an assessment. Let's say you're teaching a, a new course for the first time. I'm just going to use us history and you want to make a, uh, a quiz in the 1920s. You could input to chat GPT, make me a, a 10 question high school quiz on the, the main points. I mean, you see where I'm going. The, mm -hmm. the more specific the the query you put into ChatGPT, the more specific answer it'll it'll produce you. Yeah. So, let's say then you have this this ten question quiz. Well, again, now you as a teacher need to go back and read each of those questions and see is this something I want to use. Maybe it it prompts your your attention somewhere else for for a new question. That's fine. But again, it, it's a brainstorming tool. Let's be honest. There's a thousand different quizzes available on the internet right now that kind of did the brainstorming for you. So. Again, I think ChatGPT could be used as a, a great um, beginning point for assessments and, and maybe prompt some other ideas. But 
you know, we're focusing on writing a lot, obviously, because that, that seems to be the key function of, of ChatGPT. But without going too far in a rabbit hole in a different direction, it begs the question of what other kinds of assessments are there out there, right? Project-based learning. I know we both worked at schools that, that deal with that. Um, I, I told you I come from a very heavy discussion-based school. I, I think there's a lot of value to um, having students explain themselves. You think about the the original intention behind a a dissertation back at Oxford, whatever year that began. I mean, getting up in front of a board and explaining yourself. So there's more than one way to do assessments. And if this forces teachers to be a little bit more creative in how they deliver their assessments, then maybe that's a good thing too. I mean, what I tell my graduate students at National University who are studying to be teachers in, in their teacher prep program, the ultimate goal of assessments is demonstrating understanding. Now, how do you allow students to demonstrate understanding? I, th- I think the schools that do this best and maybe most intentionally are you try to give students multiple ways to, to demonstrate that understanding. And we've all seen in education that that everyone's stronger in one area or another. And just because you can't write the best essay or you can't explain yourself the best um, out loud in front of a panel, it doesn't mean you don't know things. And so how do we get to that deeper learning that's not an easy question, but maybe that's that's kind of the goal in the end. Deeper learning, <clears throat> deeper learning as 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 the uh, the goal in the end. I love that, and it's and the ability with ChatGPT to to do that. And I'm thinking how this conversation has had the overlay of what I would say is a very traditional classroom um, design, which is the Harkness table approach, where you can't hide at a Hartness table, right? You, you, everybody's facing everybody. Like, you know, it's a circle. It's literally, oval. there's nowhere to hide. There's nowhere to hide, literally. So <laughs> the idea of defending your thesis, defending your uh, research, you know, and, and not in a, a, you know, oppositional way at all. It's actually, you know, in a trust-based classroom, a relational classroom, you're able to do that without fear of, of rejection, right? And ChatGBT is able to give us, to me, in this discussion, it's really crystallizing that it's giving us the 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 blueprint the 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 you know kind of the skeleton of what we then flesh out and that's the human element that will that is not being replaced by robots by androids that is actually perhaps and you can speak to this better than i can perhaps perhaps ai and and particularly chat gbt is actually going to and is helping us to open up the human flourishing that can happen in a thriving classroom. Does that resonate with you? It does. And I'm going to tie it back to the point that any way that we can get students engaged in the material, I I think is a positive thing. And if you look at ChatGPT as as a tool and maybe a partner in education in some ways, I see some students that would really latch onto that and find it interesting and engaging and others who won't. And that's fine. And I just had a discussion with my students about the best way to learn and study and to the point that everyone studies differently and everyone learns differently and developing strategies that you know will work for you. That's kind of the goal. So if flashcards work for you, use them. If they don't, then don't, because then it's a waste of your time. So I can see ChatGPT being very useful for some students in in studying and brainstorming and getting stuff together. And some students who write better and learn better just coming in with a blank slate and they they can run with it. Well, if that's your method, then then great. Um, 
if one of the goals of K through 12 is to prepare students for the real world, you know, we haven't shifted in this direction, but I think AI is going to be here to stay in the working world, in these different professions that are using it differently. Well, if that's the case, then maybe it's a good thing that they're getting somewhat accustomed to what ChatGPT can do and what it can't right now, rather than getting thrown into their first entry-level job where part of the expectation is that their boss who has no idea how to use ChatGPT puts it on the junior staffer to use it. Well, it's a good thing if you know how to use it and, and what it can do and what it can't. And they'll probably end up teaching their boss what, what some of those uses could be. So, you know, this idea about digital literacy, AI is going to be part of these, these digital tools, just like I think social media was the last 10 years, right? You see job postings now where the, the job title is social media coordinator or so something around social media that job didn't exist pre zuckerberg busting onto the scene so uh it's one more thing that that the working world needs to know how to use and if we're teaching students how to use it right now that's that's great Absolutely agree. 100%. And that brings back uh, Sir Ken Robinson, education guru, uh, who just would always speak to the fact that true education is teaching our students uh, in a way that prepares them for their future, not for our past. And everything you were just saying right then made me think about uh, Sir Ken Robinson and that philosophy and the world that they're going into, the world that we're currently living in, right? This is absolutely a world where the integration of AI is more, more and more going to take over. Oh, there's a great book, by the way, that I just read called Running with Robots. Mm. And it is about a principal of a school in Massachusetts. It's fictional, but it's based on its it's, it's prophecy. Um, who falls asleep for 20 years. It's a Rip Van Winkle kind of story, <laughs> right? And he wakes up in 2040 and to his high school and looks at how AI has transformed the the system, the organization of learning, that is a school. And it is fascinating because it's thoughtful and it's definitely this, this book came out, I think a year ago. So it was before uh, chat GBT came on the landscape back in January, but it absolutely tackles this conversation um, and the elements of it and the incorporation of AI. And yet what it also makes very, very clear is that even, even in 2040, even as we look ahead, it's still, it's those students who rejected Nearpod mm-hmm. when you were back in person because they preferred in-person work, small group, facing each other, coming up with ideas, teaming up, competing with each other, debating, all of that that comes so, so much more effortlessly in an in-person IRL environment. Mm-hmm. So... This conversation has been just fantastic, Spencer, for me to think about and for all of us to think about um, removing the layer of understandable resistance because it was only three very short years ago that we all pivoted onto Zoom, learned about a chat room, learned how to do breakout groups, learned about you know how to you get the lighting just right so you don't look sick and pallid when you're teaching your <laughs> students. Get turn the video on, you know, right? Like, do we have a video on policy at school? You know, all of that, like all of that, mm-hmm. and it feels like now that we've ramped up, we're almost hit or 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 you know just you know by another force that's technology driven that is absolutely calling us to action in the classroom and with such thoughtful suggestions and strategies that you presented here, 
uh, I believe that this conversation is going to be extremely helpful to help teachers lift that veil of fear, or let's not call it fear, that's perhaps belittling, but just natural, understandable resistance after what we've all been through the past three years. So on that note, Spencer, I'd love to just kind of give you the final kind of talking points, anything that we haven't covered strategic, strategically or just anecdotally that you'd like to share about to, to this audience, which is mostly teachers and, and parents um, that you'd like to, to have the last word on. Sure. Well, I think we need to keep in mind that students and kids are always going to be better at using technology than we are. And so, so humbling. So, uh, and I, I've heard this from both the parent and then the teacher end. And the advice I'm giving to my grad students right now is it, you're entering a profession that's very demanding. And the unfortunate sobering statistic is an incredibly large number of teachers leave the profession within the first five years, um, often citing burnout, work demands. I mean, you have so much on your shoulders. I think teachers need to realize that students are going to find a way to use this chat GBT. So if your mission is the absolute ban of chat GBT, I don't think you're going to succeed at that. And you're going to bring yourself out in the process. And I, I just don't think that's where your efforts are best placed. There's a thousand other things to be concerned about. Like you've been mentioning the, the relational learning and how much students want to be back in person, incredibly important, all the other things you have going on in the classroom. So I think we've talked a lot about the technical details of chat GBT and how to work with it or not work with it. I think you just need to realize that an absolute ban is just unworkable and it it's probably futile to, to go down that road. Uh, parents have asked me, well, how, how can I work with it or make sure they don't, they don't use it period. And I, I was telling the parents, I want you to sit down with the student and mess around with chat GPT with your kid and you can see how it works. And hopefully it gives you both a better idea of what it does and what it doesn't. And might provide a parent uh, a good teaching point with their student that to be able to point out those parts where it's just wrong or it, it's not going to work. And um, students understanding that their parent is on the same page they are, I think is important because a lot of times we're not on the same page. Uh, so final bits of advice for teachers, be realistic about your demands in the classroom. Um, everyone comes in with a plan. The plan never goes to plan. And it, like, you know, you teach the same class two years in a row or even the same class multiple periods in the same day. The class does not look the same. And you have to adjust on the fly. And that's part of your job. Uh, that's part about doing your job well is uh, tailoring what you're trying to get across to that particular group. Things work differently for different groups of being flexible. Um, I think we're entering a very uh, interesting time where where AI goes from here. Uh we were talking earlier about the the writer strike that's happening right now in Hollywood. They're obviously concerned about how AI is affecting their jobs. I've seen other areas where it's it's been very useful. Some of my friends who are real estate agents have had very useful application of ChatGPT in generating um, property listings, for example, a short two paragraphs, two bedroom one bath on a sunny street, da, 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 da. chat GBT seems really good at that. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. um, for all the doom and gloom about this is going to replace a whole ton of jobs. I don't know if that's totally true. It seems like 
for any job that might have been seemingly cut out, I think new ones are going to be created. Like I just mentioned, the fact that a social media coordinator exists as a job, I think there's going to be a similar type role for AI who can who can learn how to use it and apply it to whatever company or business can be interesting. Um, the music industry might be ready for a shakeup. You probably heard recently somebody created a song in, in the the style of Drake and released it. Drake had nothing to do with it, but it sounded like Drake and people bought into it. And then it turns out it was a fake. So I, I think maybe it's going to come down to an industry by industry uh, reckoning how to use it. But uh, we are in, we're entering a new era and running away from the technology, I don't think is the answer. I think educating yourself on, on how it works and being proactive and hopefully optimistic on on positive uses and not so much on on the doom and gloom. Well, Spencer, thank you for sharing with us so many of these positive uses of ChatGBT. And also, though, thanks for being so candid also about and empathetic about the, the hesitation um, and that, that many teachers feel, right? And just many people uh, in general feel about AI in society, but also as pertains to chat GBT um, in schools, right? Because as you said, you know, don't ban it because what you implied there is that it becomes a cat and mouse game that nobody wants to play. Like, you know, it just, so work with it. And I found comfort in this conversation as an educator. And I believe that all the teachers and educators listening find a, a similar comfort in the sense that this is yet another possible gift, depending on how we utilize it, um, because what it could truly do is open more student creativity, more individual voice, deeper learning, which, as you as you stated outright, that's the focus of the optimal classroom. It's deeper learning. So here's yet another tool. And let's harmonize with it. Absolutely. <laughs> so thank you. Thanks again, Spencer. I'll, I'll uh, you know, get back to you with a, a, a GB, G, chat GBT produced limerick about this podcast and I'll send it your way and maybe I'll post <laughs> it up in the, uh, in the notes because, you know, that'd be fun. Take, take the, take the, take the content from this, which will be transcribed into our, you know, a transcript mm -hmm. and then see what chat GBT comes up with in a creative way. I think that could be super fun. And I'll post that up on the, on the, uh, the podcast episode notes. I hope nobody plagiarizes that. Yeah, right. yeah, right. I hope not too, but there are ways to find out, right? Um, Maybe. So, hey, have a great, great rest of your day. And thanks again for joining us on Reach Teach Talk. Yeah, thank you. Wonderful. Appreciate it. You've been listening to Reach Teach Talk with Nat Damon. If you'd like to recommend a guest for a future episode, you can send your suggestion or questions to nat at reachacademics.com.